Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Kenyon. And I'm Jerome. A bit of a different cold open this week because we've got a bit of a different episode for you. Um, As you well know, here at We Love That, we, well, we love to talk to an artist or creative about their artistic process. Um, And we wanted to try to extend that out beyond the the one-off interview that we normally do. Um, So... Over the past many, many months, we've been conducting interviews with an artist and a friend, Daphne Gale, as she's been in the process of recording and editing and mixing a new project that is out now and that, Kenyon, you actually got to work on. It's been such a privilege to talk to Daphne and also to be a small part of her new record, which is called No Matter. It's out everywhere. You've got to give it a listen. It is just, well, it's brilliant. Yes, 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 yes. The All the streaming and purchasing information is in the description. <laughs> um, and today uh, you get to hear two of our interviews with Daphne from this year. So enjoy. This first interview from back in February, we catch up with Kenyon and Daphne as they are together in New Mexico with some other friends actually recording the album. We dive into talking about songwriting and Daphne's songwriting process, uh, focusing in on a single she released, Down Jacket, and we get to take a listen to some in-process recordings as she's writing the song. Well, Jerome, here we are. Kenyon. We're here. Here we are. And someone else is also here. And you know I love that. <laughs> um, please welcome to the stage, Daphne. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, wow, I'm so excited that we're all here together. I've been trying, I've been like having this moment in my mind of you two meeting each other for a long while now. So I'm... Just geeking out a little bit inside that it's actually happening. I'm so excited to be here and see you and see and touch you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, this is the first in-person. I mean, Jerome, you're still very far away from us all. But it's like true. We haven't I haven't done the podcast with a live person in so long years. I was gonna ask about that, yeah. <laughs> Since the um, the OG days of We Love That. Truly. Well, would you like to how would you like to introduce yourself? I know that's a that's a big responsibility, but we'll we'll do a little intro for you, you know, maybe before this. But how, what would you say about yourself? Wow. Okay. Um. My name's Daphne Gampel. I am now going under the name, the artist name of Daphne Gale. Not too dissimilar, but a change. <laughs> um, I'm a singer, songwriter, composer, creator. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm currently living in New Mexico recording an album, but otherwise would say I'm LA based. Wow. Beautiful. Those are the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> wow. And though you're LA based, we ended up actually meeting in New York where you're from. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, you're here. I'm here. We're in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and you just released a single. I did. Yeah. You just released Down Jacket. It's mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Um, Jerome, did you did you listen to it? 
Don't do that to me. Of course I listen to it. I listen to it many, many times. I've added mm. it to the playlists. I am okay. here for it and listening. All right, all right. Convincing. <laughs> oh, the call-out's so good. I put on a good show. <laughs> um, I love this song. I think that it really is... <laughs> this is... I don't think the the central... <laughs> conceit of the song but i will say that i am a person who like like december happens christmas happens new year's happens and i'm like Mm -hmm. great the winter was so fun like can't wait for next winter and then it's Mm -hmm. like oh no winter actually is here for (laughs) it hasn't even begun (laughs) you thought you liked it here's some more (laughs) some more and uh some more (laughs) yeah and so the idea of i don't know there's something about like this time of year that just having a song called Down Jacket hitting me at this point in the winter when I'm like, mm. yeah, like, we're still in the hibernation time of the year, but, like, totally. we're stirring, we're brewing, and, like, spring is coming. Like, we just had Groundhog Day. Like, it's coming. Wow. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. far away, but it's coming. <laughs> um, and so the aesthetic of it all really was was resonating with me. So I... I was a huge fan, not just of the song itself, which we will talk about, but also the like the release date, the title, all of it together. I was very, I was very in it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think it is a winter, winter jam, winter groove. That was totally what we were going for. So, um, I'm glad it resonates. (laughs) Um, and it's it's a single off of this album that you're working on. Yes, Mm -hmm. I guess that's. Oh, well, now I don't know when this is coming out, but yeah. Surprise! <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that's not public knowledge yet, but yeah, oh, it's it's oh, part of the... am I spoiling things? No, 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 you're oh. so good. You're so good. Um, yeah, it's the first... It's technically going to be the second track on the first Daphne Gale record, so that's nice. really exciting. Um, and it's also appropriately the first song that I wrote of any of these tunes. Um, oh, wow. So I was looking over the the voice memos and all the different recordings I had of that of that song before this, and it's a little over a year in the making because the first voice memo I have of it is on December first. So wow, pretty crazy, yeah. Wow. Um, do we want to dive into that now? Sure. Whenever this gets cut together and comes out, part of what is really exciting about this is to be able to talk to you about this as it's happening and, like, talk through the mm. process of it going on. Um, so right now, it is early February. This song has just come out. Um, would love to hear about, like, everything that kind of has happened to to this point and then, like, what what's going on now. Um, so I guess going through these chronologically would, would make sense. Like, do you know which yeah. of these... Were was the earliest? Yeah, totally. It so it all it all was chronological. Great. Um, yeah, it's it's very funny to think back. Um, and I think as I was trying to remember what the whole process was like, um, I think there's a really cool symbiosis that I feel between the songwriting process to recording tracking process to collaborating um with the song and the lyric itself which is really the whole thing is just a lesson in letting go 
Um, sure. And in the way of the songwriting process, that was, uh, I think that will become evident through these recordings because every step of the way, it changes pretty significantly. Um, and so it was like a continuous, I, I kept on asking myself questions about what I wanted versus what the song wanted, what I could give versus what other people could give. And and then when they gave something that maybe wasn't what I had expected, whether that was great or whether I should defend the original idea and, sure. and where to toe that line. And um, so anyways, yeah. Um, should I just start from the top? Yeah, let's hear the first, recording? the first one. Yeah, so... Um, we have them here. We can... I have not heard them. Jerome hasn't heard them either, I don't think. No. Um, so could we play them and then like collectively... Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. Process respond. Does that feel comfortable? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, let's listen. I tried to hold the line Partition the peace of my mind And you came over But I think it's time to Shift my focus Cause we were mean time But we can't be always Can't you winter coat Down jacket Sorry if I get too close Force a habit Wow <laughs> Okay, so first of all, I want my voice memos to sound like your voice memos. <laughs> oh, no. That's, I'm yeah. out here bumbling and like <laughs> talking, yelling at myself <laughs> through piano almost chords, being like, Kenyon, oh. you'll figure this out later, but it's, uh, you sound great. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's so bad to, I mean, more than, the song itself is interesting to hear at that stage, but I'm like, why do I sing like that in my voice memos? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's different. Right. And, and so I would just gotten back to New York from, uh, from Vermont where I was living and working and winter season was upon us all. <laughs> and, um, some, some emotional things, some changes were happening in my life and I was trying to make sense of them. Um, and I really clung to this idea of uh, wishing the best for someone through the metaphor of hoping that they stay warm. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people wear down jackets in Vermont. Um, <laughs> and I and I also just really liked the idea. Um, I was toying with the idea of saying down while moving up. With my voice. Ooh, and so yes. I think that was what I kept on playing with. And down jacket. Um, it just, it felt good. It felt right. Um, and yeah, uh, I was just thinking about distance and warmth and all those different things. And so I was trying to work through that. And um, I had this little idea and wanted to get it down. And and yet, I I know even when I was writing the guitar part for it that that wasn't quite what I wanted but it was mm. the most I could say on the guitar at that point for that idea um sure. and so it was worth getting that down rather than just having 
a vocal melody. Um, but yeah, that was that stage. And it's also funny how I flipped, um, flipped the downbeat sort of of the chorus I was noticing. Yeah. Um, and that's something I often do when I like phrases itself, but I'm, I think I'm constantly checking myself for when I put or whether I put a phrase in the same part of the bar. Because I think we all have our habits, we all have our tendencies, and I sometimes try to just switch them around a little bit. So, um, yeah, that was that stage. Yeah, that's, I mean, Kenny and I have a, a running joke of um, <laughs> of text painting and then inverse text or like, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. reverse text painting, which then we realized just is also text painting. <laughs> like it, it, right. it's also that. But love that. Love an inverse text painting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, I guess, simply the, the thing that I am encountering with that is, and this kind of gets back to what you were thinking about earlier, is like when you think about, okay, do I honor the thing as it like mm-hmm. organically came versus like how much of this is like, okay, well in my practice, I should be mixing things up and not doing the same thing all the time. Like where, mm-hmm. how do you find that balance of like, I want it to be different versus this is what made sense to me. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think that's, that is the question. Right. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I think it's, we were actually dealing with something similar last night. Um, mm. Me and Kenan are working on a little song <laughs> together. Um, but these days I do try to, um, if I honor the feeling of being bored with my own ideas. So if there's a reason why I'm noticing, yeah. oh, I I start on the second beat of the bar every time I get to, you know, a verse or whatever. Um, if that's feeling like I'm phoning it in or that's feeling unexciting to me, noticing that um, and then making some intentional switch uh, and and then just singing through or, or feeling out how, how it sounds. Um, and then I think the best thing these days, depending on the scope of the idea, right? Because sometimes it's just like one little word or like the placement of one word or the placement of one phrase versus sure. like a larger idea. Um, right. But if it's something that I can't decide on immediately or like my gut's not leaning in one direction or another, I think the best thing is to give it some space and either for a, an afternoon or a little longer. Um, and then when I come back to it, what what am I hearing and what am I wanting? Because mm. by that time, usually there's been enough um, enough space between whatever the intention was around the original idea and, and the sort of second second brain higher thinking part of me um yeah and and so that was partially what we were feeling through yesterday with the song that we were working on and i mean you were talking about how bringing also collaborative voices into writing specifically down jacket changed a little bit mm, um, yeah I'm, I'm curious is should we keep playing the voice memos to hear some of those changes sure, or? yeah so yeah i i had that little idea and then i went all out into this project called Above the Noise that I was working on, um, which was pretty different stylistically, thematically. Um, and at the, I was just not in a singer-songwriter space um, of mind. And so I was 
I totally dropped any little song ideas that I'd been working on at the time. Um, so that was basically all of December. And then I drove out to LA and then I think started just, the song came back into my life. It weaseled its way back in. And I, um, by that time had, I think showed it to my friend, Chris, who, um, is a huge figure, friend, musical collaborator <laughs> in my life. Um, and who we've had on the show. Who's been on the show. Yeah. With Mary. Um, <laughs> who, oh gosh, I, I'm scared of leaving any paper trail of talking about how fantastic I think he is because then I'll, <laughs> I, I don't want him to ever like actually hear how much I think, <laughs> how highly I think of him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's really one of the more, one of the more special people um, in my life and talented musicians I know. Um, so he was working on Above the Noise and... We'd also spent a week or two in the summer before that writing an EP together that never actually came out, but um, it was a great process. Anyways, in that time, he started giving me little guitar lessons because he realized I'd, I never really played guitar or took guitar lessons beyond classical stuff. And so I <laughs> didn't know how to strum at all sure. or, or use a pick at all. And for a while, convinced myself that that was, again, these questions of, if that's what's natural to me, then right, mm. you know, work within those limitations. What's the beauty? What's the what's the music you can create there? And I'd felt that way and and lived by those rules up until college, and then I started having these ideas that I wanted to strum and didn't really know how. So he started um, teaching me or giving me little exercises to work on. Fast forward to when I finally got out to LA, I still didn't have a job, and was living in my aunt's guest house, which was pretty small and cold, and the one thing I did have was my guitar. And so I uh, was just working on those exercises a bunch and started to get more and more comfortable keeping time. That's the other thing I realized, that first voice memo. <laughs> I have such horrible time, and it's still not great. But, um, but yeah, so I started to see how it felt to applied some power to to the song and that felt really right and good so cool. I think that's the next transition you hear um, and in that way Chris is the silent collaborator mm. of that of that new iteration I think it's time to shift my focus we were meantime So yeah, it's really what I actually really like about that memo when I when I hear it back. It's just such a perfect timestamp for what was going on in my life then. Even though I think you know it's like so clearly rushed and anxious and a little bit all over the place. And I actually I recorded that the day I got I moved into my apartment in LA. So like finally worked it out with these friends wow. <laughs> um, and got the few belongings I had set up in my room and uh, and then again sort of gravitated back to this song. So um, there's this through line of like finding this song or this song finding me at different points. Um, 
and it was definitely a grounding mechanism or started to become more and more of a grounding mechanism for me. Um, and so, yeah, by that time I'd figured out that I wanted just this constant drive. Um, and although I didn't have the musical vocabulary myself, I think I was also starting to orchestrate by that time in terms of the swells that I wanted where, um, and and then clearly, yeah, it just sounds a lot more like like the track sounds now in terms of um, harmonic choices and uh, and phrasing as well. Um, but I think vocally, I was still also trying to figure out what what and how I was trying to say the lyric that I'd written. Um, so I definitely hadn't hadn't arrived there yet. But yeah, it's really cool to hear the transformation knowing only really the final product or mm. something really close to that um, being with you in these last few weeks. Um, and it's like, yes, you can hear all the rest of the song around it, but there's also this other energy, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. Yeah, I love the just the idea of like, you know, we hear a finished product and it's very easy to be like, and someone sat down and wrote the song that way, especially when like mm-hmm. <laughs> it is... I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. Lady Gaga, my lover. And she does this thing where she'll be like, oh, yeah, Born This Way. That amazing song, I wrote it in 30 minutes, which is like, first of all, okay, yeah, some of the lyrics show that, <laughs> you know. So and I love yeah. her, and that's part of what's great about it, but it's like, okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But also that I think that there is this, there is a narrative of like, you know, the brilliant genius writes the song that you love in, you know, mm-hmm. and it is that way from the very beginning. You think about like, you know, Dolly Parton writes Jolene and I Will Always Love You in mm-hmm. the same night. And it's like, you know, the people who have it like can just just make it, spin it out of nothing. Um, and that that's literally not how I work, not how anyone I know <laughs> works that it is actually like you know that it is discovering what the song is it's like it you know we it starts in this totally different place than you know as you were talking about the strumming bringing in like a totally different orchestration a different element a different vibe to the song that it it becomes Mm -hmm. something really different um as you were talking about strumming orchestration bringing in uh, uh, you know, taking guitar lessons and and that kind of mm-hmm. shaping how you, the type of music that you were able to make. Um, do you feel like, I mean, this is a, a continuation of what we were talking about before, but do you, do you feel like, okay, let me make something using the stuff that I know how to, how to do and just making good, making use of that? Or do you, how much of it is, okay, well, I'm hearing other people do this type of thing, or I feel inspired by this kind of artist and this kind of song, and I want to incorporate some of that, even though I can't do it, even though I don't play that instrument or I don't, you know, play it in that way. Yeah, I think it totally depends on the project Um, and what, I guess what I'm hearing from that question is a question about voice, right? Like how... Mm -hmm. How and when and why do you define your voice? And and when does that come before or after the things that you've created? Like, do you define your voice by the songs you've already written? Or do you decide, I'm this type of artist, and so if I have this type of idea, I'm going to send it to the, to the land of misfit toys because that doesn't <laughs> represent my voice and my artistry. Um, sure. 
And yeah, it's really interesting to, that's such a good question. Um, I think this song is a great example of some good things take time because they need tools that you don't have and they need people that you aren't with and they need this space to flesh out and grow and develop. And so, yeah, for, for that project, I'm, and I'm still glad that I didn't try to force it out into the world before <laughs> I was ready, before it was ready, because I totally don't like, you know, to be honest, I don't like the version as much of the original idea. And I think we all heard sort of what it could have become mm, in yeah. the best version of that, which is cool, but it's not uh, what I want because I don't think it's what the song wanted. And I guess yeah. that's a little weird, but... um. <laughs> But yeah, I think more and more so in terms of honing it, I sort of conceive of songwriting as similar to performing as a practice in that you do exercises and you plan and you prep around and before the event itself. But then when you show up, you don't you don't try to bring anything different to the table than what you already have. Right. Like. I, I guess I'm likening this to certain classical music performances where it's like, sure. you're not going to try to just play play those couple bars differently than you've been practicing it because you practiced it a specific way. Um, and so I guess sort of similarly, I do try to open up my ears to as much as I can um, before I'm literally sitting down to write something. And so, you know, different genres, different artists... Uh, and I look over lyrics like when, when and as I'm listening to things, if there's a lyric that particularly strikes me or a song that strikes me, I'll, I'll look up and read through the lyrics. I'll try to get some of those songs that I like or, or just as many songs as I can under my fingertips as a guitar player mostly so that I have some of those rhythmic tools in my toolkit or rhythmic, melodic, harmonic, what have you tools. And and then more and more so I'm trying to treat the songwriting space as a little more sacred. So when I sit down, sure. I have an idea. Uh, it's really an intensive like incubation period of a, what what does this idea need to be fleshed out right here and now. And so I think I have gone pretty fast for some things um, and some ideas that I'm proud of um, in terms of like churning out or completing at least a draft of something that that feels whole and feels like it says the thing that I wanted to say. Mm. And I also, I don't know how much of that process was also a little bit, um, getting out to LA and starting to take part in different sessions, like songwriting sessions in the, on the pop side really woke me up to the idea of needing to churn out music, which I'd mm, never sure. really considered in the same way. Cause I, I totally romanticized and, um, yeah, I romanticized the songwriting process almost as a way of avoiding treating it as a full craft and skill and practice that needs uh, discipline and, and training. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think getting to LA was really crucial in terms of like honing that part of my songwriting practice of you have what it takes to at least finish the idea to the best of your ability right now yeah. and don't use other outside things as a distraction. I'm curious, like having zoomed in on Down Jacket, you talked about it being one of the earliest or the earliest song. Yeah. Like, kind of you started writing on this album. Yeah. 
did the process of writing this influence the process of writing the other stuff that appears on this upcoming album? Mm, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Uh, like I mentioned, it was the first song I'd ever written that has a drive. So where I'm strumming the guitar rather than picking it, um, which sounds silly or feels like a silly landmark to make. But for me, it was a, a whole different world and yeah. scary and brought up questions of voice. Like, oh, am I no longer the soft, folksy, um, jazz-influenced songwriter mm. I thought I was. Sure. Uh, so I think writing this song and finishing it was really helpful in opening up that world and and opening up my own idea of voice for the songs that followed. Uh, it was also a really good lesson in simplicity because for a while I'd been writing songs and I still, I mean, my idea of what songwriting is has changed so much over the past, you know, over my lifetime, but over the past three, four years alone. Um, because I grew up in high school. Well, I guess I'll get to that later, but um, I was really tied to this idea of harmonic complexity. And so I was constantly writing these songs that I would forget how to play two weeks <laughs> yeah. later if I wasn't yeah. playing them every day. And and so again, with those like songs way back when, it was this thing where I would like have the idea, have the melody in mind, and then really try to you know, over-intellectualize whatever harmonic implications it had. Because mm. um, I was so terrified of writing a 145 song, a three-chord song. And and so when I got to Down Jacket, it was like, okay, what if I actually were to sit in, sit into the, the chords that I really want to hear underneath this yeah. melody and just let them be that way? And And now that I'm in LA and I have some musicians I know, but not as many that I know, what would it look like if I really had to like play all my music myself? Mm -hmm. And so then yeah. maybe I really do need to simplify what I'm playing and what I'm writing. Um, and so that's, that was a big part of just like giving myself permission to, to simplify harmonically. And I think that became a major through line and a major lifeboat for me in writing the rest of these songs, because the more I gave into those instincts harmonically, the more I freed myself lyrically and structurally, I think. Wow. Okay. Let me take notes. <laughs> Be right back. Uh, Write this all down. What, what you said about, you know, simplifying and that it doesn't have to be this immensely overly complicated thing if that's not what it calls for. Like it, it, it doesn't need yeah. to be complicated for the sake of being complicated. And in fact, mm -hmm. that, you know, so much of the stuff that we love is not like is, right. mm -hmm. is beautiful because it is so simple <laughs> because yeah. it is like this just is what it is. Definitely. And that's that's something that I for sure learned through. Well, I ended up doing this like 100-day cover song challenge, but mm -hmm. through picking up songs that I'd loved or listened to for a while or thought of as some of the best songs written and and then actually getting them under my fingers and realizing, oh yeah, this is literally three three chords. And I've <laughs> and I've revered this song for years. Yeah, um, yeah I thought and feared I felt like writing boring music or uninteresting music was the scariest, biggest mark of failure I could ever have or achieve as a songwriter. Like, oh my God. And I think it was because I grew up in this very specific 
um, songwriting community of, uh, you know, there's like a lot of jazz bros. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, just this weird ingrained, um, I mean, and, and of course, gender played a big, big part in it because I was sure. usually one of the only girls, women in, in a space of, of men who, um, who just had a certain level of technical harmonic understanding that I didn't always felt feel I had. And so, um, I was like, well, if, if my changes are cool and hip enough, then, mm. right. Or I think, yeah, I didn't have the same, like a certain confidence in my technical playing. Um, and so I thought I could make up for that or thought I had to make up for that in harmonic complexity. Yeah. Um, which to a certain extent I had because I'd had this like classical guitar training. Um, but I was thinking of that in terms of being bored or not with your own music because, again, when Chris showed me how to strum a guitar and I started doing that, it was this like whole new world of writing music that just feels good to play. And I think I'd understood and intuited that in singing, like certain things just feel good to sing or not. Yeah. But I hadn't really translated that to the process and practice of of playing on an instrument and the guitar is one of the best feeling instruments to play and of course it's the one I play the most out of the other ones but um that's a really wonderful aspect of that instrument as as a companion as like a an active sort of physical responding thing that I hadn't tapped into in my songwriting process before yeah. And so that alone is like, it almost doesn't feel like a question of getting bored or not with with the song because it was when I was uh, drawn to play that song, sometimes it was just like, I want to have fun right now. And that song was fun to play. Yeah. I love that. Follow the fun. Yeah. 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 Like really follow what feels mm -hmm. good. Pleasure isn't a bad thing. I feel like I have to tell my th myself that all the time. Yeah. Because... I don't know. There's so much that that asks us to deny that yeah. good feeling, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, wherever it comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a fourth. Did we want to listen to this fourth? Recording? Oh yeah, we can do that one. I think it's a good. Um, it ties into what we've been talking about because so for my first gig in LA, I was playing at Soho House, which is very exciting and scary for me. Um, and so I had like two weeks to get this set together and I definitely had enough material but I realized I really wanted someone else up on stage with me um and so I was connected to a friend of a friend who was um really great jazz guitar player named Jordan um who I met you know a week before the gig and again it sort of brought back these little fears that um or these little sort of, we all have our pressure points as musicians. Um, and one of them, knowing that he was a, a jazz guitarist, a versatile jazz guitarist, was like, oh God, I'm about to show him some sort of not super complicated music, but sure. hopefully he likes it. Um, <laughs> and at that point, I think most of the songs I'd written did speak to a jazz idiom in a way that a lot of this new stuff does not. But uh, I imagine that he would have more fun with those and the lead sheets were looked much more like, you know, anything you could pull out of the real book. And and so I showed him all the tunes and 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 the, you know, the first rehearsal was going well, but 
we both like really found our stride and had a great time the second we started working on Down Jacket, which was finally mm. finished. And it was when we really clicked. And at the end of that rehearsal, he was like, oh yeah, that's definitely my favorite one. And I just never forgot that because he was this, he still is this, he's studying jazz at school. And, and yet this song that was entirely like basically three chords, four chords, um, was his favorite to play and explore and, um, and move with. So that stuck with me. And anyways, this is the first time we played it together. Um, cool. and, and so you sort of start to hear different, uh, like a new idea around arranging, arranging the tune. know if I can name what's happening right now but just getting to go through the Mm -hmm. different versions Mm -hmm. there's so much I have there's ah (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know I'm I'm experiencing this whole new depth to the song I don't Mm -hmm. know like when it came out we all danced around and Mm -hmm. had a great time celebrating it (laughs) yeah but now getting to like you know very quickly but like take the journey that it took yeah. Um, with you is, if, I don't know, it just feels very special to me. Yeah, well, um, thanks so much for, for yeah, helping me or having me unpack that too. Because um, it totally is one of the songs that's taken the longest to, I think, develop. And I'm so glad I have these little scrapbook pieces. But yeah, you sort of hear it coming into its own in a different way than it sounds yeah. right now and on the... Um, you know, on Spotify, it's cool to think back. And, and it like, these also just coincided with weird, different life chapter moments. Of course, I'll never forget that this gig that I ended up playing was March 9th, I think. Mm. So literally the day before everything shut down. And, um, so yeah, this, the song is so, uh, wrapped in, and and yeah, we haven't even talked about the recording process, but I ultimately did end up working on the whole recording of the song with Chris over Zoom as I and he and the rest of the world were figuring out what Zoom and <laughs> looked right. like and how to use it and what is the, all of this. Um, so yeah, it's just a good time capsule. Thank you so much for having me look back. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm so excited that we're going to get to sit down a couple yeah. more times and mm-hmm. talk more about recording. Because of that, mm. um, Jerm and I have some questions that we wanted to ask you kind of every time yeah, yeah. we talked so that we could, you know, just kind of get a sense of where you're feeling in what part of the process you're in. Mm. Um, and so here are those questions. Yeah. Um, first question. At this point in the process, where are you getting momentum, excitement, and drive to continue from? The fact that I have 
full songs, full ideas that I'm proud of, uh, that I'm sitting on and that don't live in a recorded space yet is definitely a huge drive and source of, um, energy for me. Uh, because I've often lived in a space like one, one level before or one notch before that of having a lot of ideas and partial songs that don't yet live in a world of fully formed pieces. Um, and so having this Google Drive that I can look back on that has all of the lyrics of all of these songs written down um, in order that's figured out, a different story that I think is told in each song and a collective story that I feel is really important to tell about this phase of my life and about moving around in your early 20s and figuring yourself out and establishing your voice and your uh, source of comfort um, as a young person, I, that's a story that I am really compelled to tell and think that this music can tell. And yet it is not um, in a state to do that. So that's a big, probably the biggest emotional source of momentum. But also uh, being in New Mexico, living here, knowing there's, uh, knowing we have a certain amount of time to live here. Um, by we, it's me and Chris and who's producing the record and Kenyon and um, some other amazing friends and musicians, Molly and Catherine. We're all here. We have the gear. We have the different rooms with setups for different types of recording configurations. Uh, we have the instruments. That That's obviously a big uh big momentum, big driver for me and for us right now. And it's the first time in a year that I, well, more that I've had this type of, this type of musicianship. And it's extremely exciting and inspiring to be around musicians this talented and having all the gear and instruments at our fingertips. And I don't know the last time in my life that that's happened. So um, that is another huge source of, um, of momentum. And then also a schedule. I, I love a schedule and, (laughs) um, I'm coming to understand and learn more and more about what makes me tick and what makes me feel productive and what makes me actually productive. And the more I can uh, chart out my intentions for days, um, and weeks, the more I, I feel inspired to or, or the better I am at following through on those. And so me and Chris mapped out a schedule for what we're recording when, and that's also a huge drive. What are the um, the places of friction? What are the hardest parts? Where's the drag on the project mm. for you? Where are you feeling that now? Yeah. So I think I'm, we're over the hump of this now. Um, but I first approached Chris with all of these mostly finished songs. I'd say they were all 85 to 90% finished. Um, And in our past work together, we've collaborated in a lot of different ways, but we've also come to the table as co-writers. And so, you know, one of us starts with a baby idea um, or a riff and we build something together from the ground up. And this was very much not the case for these songs because I had 
a full-fleshed idea. Um, and what I wanted from him was to poke holes and, um, and then also to work through the arrangements and everything else from this, like from the song itself to the final recorded phase. Um, but I think that caused a lot of friction, good friction, Mm. like friction with drive, but, um, he, I also intentionally asked him not to spend a lot of time with the voice memos or lyrics I'd sent him because, um, Mm. I wanted him to have fresh ears to the best he could when he approached these songs and we worked in real time on really buffing them. And that created a different type of friction because I'm just so inevitably married to a lot of the choices I made because, like we were saying, I've I've done the rounds of editing now of like, is this what I want or is this what I thought or is this just me honoring the original? Mm. And and I had been through like in lots of ways, lyrically, melodically, you know, I'd made those decisions and gone back on them already. And so um, when I finally met him with these songs, they did feel largely finished, even though they were not. Sure. Um, and then the holes he was poking, I thought that I'd filled already, mm. even though I had not. So I, I think the main friction I'm talking about is just like, at least on my end, untying my ego to the to the songs. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And untying my and like untying my ego to myself as a songwriter or my skill as a songwriter. And yeah, that's that's been a time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is at the front of your mind right now and what, what are you most focused on at this point in the process? Oh, wow. Right now, mm, I'm thinking about other people and to what extent I want other people's hands and footprints on, on the project because I definitely think that I do, and yet it's a it's a choice, and I think sort of a big one to bring people outside of the literal space that me and Chris are living and working and recording in um, to the music, and and there that's already happened, and it's worked, um, or I don't know, it's already happened, and. <laughs> um, and there's so many people in my life and musicians that I know that I, I feel really strongly about bringing into this process. And yet, yeah, it just feels like I want to be sure about why and when that happens. So that that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Hearing you speak about it is so, it feels truly like the most intimate look inside, which is, is mm. really great. And thank you for, for sharing all of that with us. After talking with Daphne in February, we caught up with her again in April, just after she'd finished mixing the record. And we got to talk to her about what it means to make a work in its entirety, taking all the bits and pieces and turning them into the final product.
happy you're back. We're happy you're here once more. Yeah. 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 So Wednesday, um, the 31st, we finished mixing the whole project. Which was wild. Um, So yeah, we still need to, there's a couple of order questions we still have, but otherwise we've got a 15 track project. Ready to go. (laughs) That is really awesome. Yeah. It's, it feels pretty wild. Um, (laughs) Just order is one of my favorite things to figure out. Yeah. um, Yeah. What are you thinking about in terms of order? Like how is that, what's going through your mind as you're, you're thinking about that? Yeah. So the order is largely set. um, And it's, it's, pretty similar to what we'd conceived of, what I'd planned for from the beginning when I had just these songs in idea form and had an idea of how I wanted them to flow. Um, and so now it's really just a matter of comparing that to how it actually sounds. And and there were a couple, really just one big moment where as I was listening and as um, we were all listening, we were like, uh, I don't know if that works, if that moment works. Um, sure. And there was a huge crisis around the intro, the first track, so that a couple of days before we finished mixing switched majorly. Um, wow. Because actually, well, what I'll tell you guys, um, we <laughs> completely redid Down Jacket. So it's basically... Whoa. Yeah. So it's basically an acoustic mix that you're going to hear on the album, which is exciting. And That's also, really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear it because it's just different. Um, very different without drums, especially. Uh, but with that, as we were letting it wash over us, it was so obvious that it was no longer like the intro track, which is what we'd always thought. Um, so a couple of different kinks to figure out in terms of order, but... Largely, it's also helped that, I don't know how much of this I should go into, but it's it's a concept album. Um, and so it's essentially the telling of a well-known children's story backwards. And cool. that has helped us keep certain pillars or certain benchmarks of generally what needs to sit, like what needs to be consistent in terms of order. I just have no grasp on how subtle it is, is the funny thing. Um, But yeah, part of me hopes that that people will hear it and either not not see the concept and be totally fine with that and just see it as a collection of songs with a couple weird interludes or hear it and be like, oh, something's going on here. Um, Yeah. Because I think that's so rewarding as a listener and that's like, I have such a clear memory of hearing bookends, the Simon and Garfunkel record. And yeah. after my like second or third listen through, I was like, wait, this is a concept album. Um, and that was just like the coolest, most rewarding thing for me as a listener to realize that someone had like really hand sewn that project together in a, in a way. I've, I'm really trying to like, <laughs> a thing that I've been trying to work with my students on is like, okay, if someone is sampling something or referencing something or talking about something else that, like, that is purposefully bringing in a whole other world and, like, Mm. what does that do? I think that that is so 
interesting. And, yeah. and the thing that often is left out of the conversation when like people talk about like referencing or sampling or adapt adaptations as like being somehow less than because it's mm. like relying on things that have already been done. But I think that it is doing more because it, like you're picking up more to work with. Like you have more to do because yeah. you have picked up, up more to, to work with. So mm-hmm. I think that that's very cool and very brave, honestly, to, to be taking on such an iconic thing and like making it your own. That's very cool. But yeah, I, you know, everything's been done before. Um, so to, I think any, anything that you can use or find inspiration from with a certain ebb and flow or arc that, that resonates with you is, is only going to enrich the thing that you create. Sure. Yeah. That kind of let's let's dive into the questions that we're going to ask you each time. Right. I think that the, yeah. this kind of picks up the first question kind of picks up right there. Um, at this point in the process, where are you getting momentum and excitement and the drive to continue from? Yeah. Um, I am so psyched that this project is a real living, breathing thing. Um, as opposed to like a bubbling gooey thing in my brain. Um, (laughs) and so the fact that it's tangible, the fact that I actually like how it sounds is a big deal for me. Um, and, and having also so many people now involved in the making of it and, um, in the process, yeah, just having so many more people involved uh, makes me feel excited to share the the collective work and energy and time that's that's gone into this project. And so it's not just a, a duty to me and my past self and whatever I've done, but like all of these incredibly talented people that have um, devoted time and energy to making it making it a thing it's really cool and so I want to do that justice and I want to do the project justice by getting it out there yeah wow I mean where where you're at right now what do you what are you feeling is the hardest thing at this stage um and or the part that feels most like so like hard work like I've got to do this thing yeah um definitely the two things um first related to what I was just saying is divorcing the, you know, super lofty goals and ideas I had for the project from what actually exists. Because of course it's not everything I'd imagined and more. Um, Definitely divorcing my preconceptions of what this project could be from what it is. Um, is challenging. And then also just making final decisions about order is really tricky because I had I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to say and how I wanted the project to flow. And yet there's an inherent feeling to these songs now that I couldn't have understood before they were, they were here. Um, and so trying to figure out what's truthful to that is, is going to be a challenge as well. Wow. Okay, third question. Yeah. What is the most important thing on your mind right now? Uh, 
what are you focused on? What is guiding you? Mm. Um, what are you having to keep in mind? Most important thing. That's tricky because it feels like a lot of, feels like the heavy lifting is done. And now it's a mm. process of looking outward to see how I want to tell the story of what this thing is in terms of social media, honestly. Yeah. Because I think that's an important part of the process, especially these days when there's no live performing. Um, I'm also thinking about what I want to work on next because I don't want to put, you know, I, I'm just so happy and energized by the fact that this project is now largely yeah. finished and and I want to keep moving and creating. So um, I've been thinking a lot about how to propel my creative my creative energy. Since the last time we talked, kind of two major bits of the album have been completed. Yeah. You recorded all of it and you've mixed all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious to hear, as you are making something, taking something from the, the ideal to the real, like yeah. what choices are you looking back at in the recording stage? Like mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, that that was important that I did that that way. Or, you know, oh, if I hadn't done this and like this song would have, you know, the real version of this thing could have mm-hmm. taken some, a different turn. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Um, I think a huge part of it is just loving, at least now, loving the choices that we did make and understanding that the recording process for sure was so dynamic in ways that I hadn't expected. Um, So to dive into that a little bit, which you already know, um, (laughs) we recorded basically the whole thing in a house, um, in different rooms in a house, mostly the living room for the more live multi-tracked um, or sorry, the more live non-multi-tracked tunes and then in a closet that we decked out to be as soundproof as possible. And that was for the multi-tracking and the, the clean vocal stuff. And then a couple moments were also recorded in a bathroom when we wanted some extra reverb. Uh, but yeah, basically all of the all of the music comes from that and sound samples that we took over the course of our time in this house in New Mexico um, and a couple friends that we brought in from, you know, to do remote recording stuff. Um, But the heart and soul of this project is recorded in a house, which is really cool and, and wild. And I am so grateful for the people that were part of that process and project um and for Chris who really has a, like an incredible sense of improvisation and so intuited how different songs wanted to live and breathe and so he was like yeah I think this one really should be mostly live and so we decided to get everyone in the room and record it together sort of thing and there were a couple moments where we were wrong there's one song I keep thinking about that we tried that way and then we listened back and you know to speak to what you're saying before Kenny it was like of course it's not going to be exactly what you'd envision but sometimes there is a line there's a threshold where you're like no we can get way closer to the thing and this isn't quite telling the story to the extent that we want it to um and so there's this one song that we tried to record live with everyone in a in a room um and we listened back and and we were like uh don't think this is it. And that was so painful because so much time had gone into 
teaching the song and recording, you know, like a full day of recording that it's just not going to ever see the light of day. Um, yeah. But it was definitely a learning curve and it was definitely fun. So. Yeah. So, so much of what we're getting to, the journey that we're gonna, getting to follow with you is through these different phases of, you know, we talked about writing, we talked about, we're talking about recording and mixing and yeah. now getting into the process of like, promotion and and yeah. giving it to other people and like trying to figure out how it all comes together yeah. um which are i don't know i think that to a lot of people who have not gone through the all parts of that process before it is surprising how different those different phases are mm. or i guess to me i i feel like they're very different yeah. do you feel like they're very different and do you have how are you at saying okay and now we've stopped recording and now i am mixing and now we've stopped mixing and now we have to look at the next thing. Yeah, totally. I think it's really hard to separate a lot of the <laughs> different pieces, especially on the, I think now it's easy to sep- easier to separate the social media or like the outreach once you have the content or the, the thing. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely really challenging for me to separate the different phases and yet super important to do my best because I think the worst version of of any of the phases would be expecting an earlier or later phase to make up for any mm. any mistakes or not mistakes, yeah. but um, to make up for any lack of intention in the phase that you're in. For something as simple as recording a guitar take that I was playing super quietly or something and then along the mixing phase like if I wanted a guitar take to come across as angry there's like one song that I always think of because it's super angry um in my mind but anyways (laughs) uh I needed to record the guitar take like I meant it and if I had thought about just changing the levels or if I'd tried to say like I can play it however I want and later I'll get Connor, the mixing engineer, to bump the levels of the guitar and make it louder. That right. isn't actually going to fix what I did in the room recording because there's you can hear intention and you can hear the way someone plays guitar and being loud or quiet has nothing to do with um, the feeling behind playing it. So mm. things sure. like that. Um, I really tried and did my best, and I think Chris, Chris and I both did our best to be in the moment while we were recording um, and treat it like every in every phase, like what would happen if this was it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so like, what? yeah, let's record these songs as if no one's going to touch them beyond that. Uh, and we have to say everything we need to say and, and leave it all on the table. Or my soccer coach wow. used to always say, get naked, <laughs> like leave it all on the field. And so <laughs> I said that a couple of times. <laughs> I was like... Wow. Let's get naked. Wait, do you remember that, Kenyon? It was like when we were yeah. recording vocal takes for something. We were like, one more take. Let's get naked. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. I'm glad that I have the explanation for that now because it really was. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this really completes a circle for me that. Good. I'm glad that you were saying it without the explanation. I'm yeah. glad that you were like recording vocal takes and you're like, let's get naked. And Kenyon's like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we really did record that take naked. No. (laughs) Uh, 
Wow. Yeah, anyways. Wow. <laughs> um, but it's also been, I think it makes the process at the end all the more rewarding yeah. when you do have all the ingredients that you set up for yourself in the, in the steps before. Mm. Mm. You use the word ingredients, and so now I have to take it to cooking. Oh, yeah. Mm. I was going to go there. I'm so glad <laughs> <Great>. you did. <laughs> um, I mean, so you and you and Chris introduced me to to that specific way of thinking about music, Jerome. Yeah. Music as like cooking, as like a. I mm-hmm. know music and I know cooking, so, so I'm there. There, <laughs> I um, think. <laughs> how would you, in these different phases, is talking about like you know recording, mixing, mm-hmm. take me to the kitchen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what do okay. You, just anything yeah. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Um. Exactly what we were talking about. Uh, So I think all the recording is and sound sampling is gathering and preparing the ingredients. Um, And then the mixing, mastering process is definitely the type of heat and oils and spices you you apply to the ingredients that you had and prepared. and so we were trying to get the best, like we were basically trying to get the best, freshest, tastiest ingredients in terms of what we were recording. Um, because there is a world where it's super exciting to snack on apple and carrots if they're really good, really fresh. Right. That's all you yeah. need. And so a really great take of a guitar and vocal should and can be enough. Um, and yet it's also exciting spice of life, as Kenyon always says, <laughs> um, to go even further and to, to bring those ingredients that can stand on, on their own to like a whole new level of depth with heat and fat and acids and, and spice and flavor. So, Yeah, I mean, but before you even said that this was all a cooking analogy, I was thinking when you were saying, you know, we want to pretend as though each point is the last time you'll get to touch it. Yeah. In thinking about cooking, that when people think about flavoring, seasoning things, like if you season each individual piece, then when you put them all together, like you have to do less work. Yeah. Um, And so I imagine that having that ethos as you're recording it makes the mixing process easier. Does it? It, Does it feel like, oh yeah, we just have to like let what we've recorded do the work as opposed to, okay, how do we like force all this to fit in a way that like feels effective? Yeah, yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. So easier and harder. And that was a, a definitely tricky and new thing for me to learn in terms of the recording process when um, some of the the mics we were using and preamps we were using already, it's like the pre-seasoning mm. sort of. They yeah. already have a texture and a feel. And um, I also sometimes think about photography um, because it's like, already a specific sort of filter. Sure. And so Chris and I, but mostly Chris, um, was making decisions before we even got to the to the studio to mix about what some of these ingredients were gonna taste like and, and look and feel like. And so there yeah, there was there were games and questions about how clean we wanted things from the very beginning. Um And then when we got to the studio to mix, it was a question of, it was definitely easier for the ingredients that we'd already decided about how they were going to sound. 
I'd love for you to dive even deeper into mixing. You know, you're sitting. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know what you were doing, but I imagine, you know, like <laughs> sitting in a room, listening to all this stuff, all the ingredients that you'd prepared. Mm-hmm. And now what? And you're also collaborating with another person, uh, your mixing engineer, um, bringing, yeah. bringing another really close collaborator onto the project. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like? It was so wild. It was really, it was a real gift, honestly, to work with someone who is so, who is an artist himself about mm-hmm. this process. Um, and not just like a, a master of sound, but an instrumentalist himself. And so he definitely had the awareness of how, you know, the the whole cooking process. Like, mm. you wouldn't just want an expert seasoner, I guess, to... <laughs> To go in and, like, put on the right amount of salt and pepper at the very end. You want someone who, like, also cooks. Um, Yeah, it was him sitting at the... It was him sitting at the monitors with his hands on all the gear. And he works largely analog, which was really cool because it... um, Wow. Yeah, it limited us in all the right ways. And Mm -hmm. I think that's been a huge lesson for me, too. Like, limitations are so important and necessary. Um, Yeah, he was like reamping a bunch of things and he would just he was sort of following his his nose in terms of flavor and color for a lot of these things um and we would or I would sort of give him reference tracks or or certain moments from songs that I'd been thinking about if I wanted if I'd had an idea or a vision for like what certain moments or the whole song should feel like. Uh, But otherwise, I was just really the whole time trying to develop a vocabulary for talking about what I was looking for and or what I was hearing and what I wanted to hear more or less of. Uh, So yeah, he was sitting at at the monitors, at the board and just trying things. And um, and every once in a while, if I had a thought about like if something really rubbed me the wrong way and I knew it wasn't going to sit right with me, I would let him know, but otherwise I I sort of waited till he had a general first mix or like first pass. Um, And then we would listen through and start with, I think, the the macro. So if like an ingredient felt wrong throughout for whatever reason, um, we would start there and then we would go sort of further and further in to all the mini moments that that needed massaging. I think I drove him partially crazy, hopefully not fully <laughs> crazy because I'm such a perfectionist. So there was a lot that I was not willing to let go until we'd tried, you know, every which way. Um, and I was also, I had to keep fighting the urge and couldn't always win that fight from trying to go back in time and be like, oh, well, maybe let's actually move like that that instrumental moment a little bit this way or like like mm. I was trying to yeah. do the retracking without actually retracking. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very intense. It was long days and lots of coffee. <laughs> if when you're making a project again, would you still want to do all the recording and then do all the mixing? Or would you want to record some and mix some and mm. play around with that? Like how would you would you do the same sort of process? Yeah, definitely same order. 
I think you don't want to play. It, it feels like playing God a little bit if you if you start mixing and then go back to like because I think one of the best or what is it? I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. The thought of that, and so I'm trying to unpack it a little bit. I I also love that I would love to hear your answer. I love that you said it's like playing God because part of me is like, well. It's your world. It's your, you know, it's right. your right. you yeah. like you get to be God. So like, you know, what is the yeah. thing that that doesn't preserve? Yeah. No, that's that's really funny. I think it stems from my wanting to be true to the thing and not keep fine tuning sure. what you already have along with encapsulating a moment, which I think gets harder and harder if you keep on going yeah. back and forth between timelines um because a recording of a song is is just that it's it's a recording it's like a time time stamp on Mm. what you're doing in that moment in time and so i think there's probably a cohesiveness that cannot help but to be lost a little bit if you are going back and forth but i would be curious if that's not true because i'm sure there's a lot of amazing songs that i've heard that and loved that we're not, you know, such a chronological recording and mixing process. But I think what interests me is, I, so I, I also, maybe I'm a little bit of a purist in that way, um, <laughs> but I, I sort of want to go deeper and deeper into the, um, like the sim, minimal, simple order of things and see sure. like just how few ingredients I can use next time um, yeah. and and see what that does to the recording and mixing process. Like I've already talked with Chris about recording a project that everything is, at, you know, like each take is one take and we're in the room at the same time with just two guitars, two voices mm. um, and seeing where that gets us in terms of what the mixing process would look like. Maybe it would be easier right. or harder. I don't know. Wow. Something that you talked about before in terms of already what you just mentioned in terms of like already thinking about what the next thing is going to be. Mm. Um, I often feel like I want to be working on the part of the process that I'm not on currently. Like if I'm trying to generate stuff, I'm like, Mm -hmm. God, I wish I had stuff that I could be editing. If I'm trying to edit stuff, I'm like, I wish it were finished and I were (laughs) making it. If I'm making something a final project, it's like, I wish I were back at the beginning and like playing around and having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you feeling that? Yeah, a little bit, I think. Because again, I learned so much in each phase of the process about what was feeling right and what what I wanted to be doing differently. Um, yeah. And, oh, God, there's just such a good energy and rush to <laughs> each phase in a different way. And so I think I'm, um, I'm really eager to jump back in and use everything I learned before I forget it. Um, mm. And especially in, in terms of recording, I feel like it's it's a different muscle that is either in shape or not. Just like performing, I guess because they're related. But um, <laughs> after finishing all of the tracking, I remember feeling like, oh, now I can really, now I can really do it and like really sure. get across what I want to get across in the studio. So I totally feel that. I'm curious, being, you know, on the other side now of writing, recording, and mixing, mm. are there nuggets that you're like, Daphne, hold on to this the next time you're back at this? Point in the process uh, what what do you uh, really what did you learn that you don't want to forget yeah 
I learned, wow, <laughs> um, in the way of recording, definitely, everyone says practice how you want to play. Same thing with recording. Be in the in the process of, or like just be recording yourself in the days leading up to the day, to the time you're going to record the thing so that you know what it feels like and sounds like to do that because it's such a myth that someone walks into a room and just lays down a beautiful vocal one time if they if they haven't like heard themselves yeah. in headphones like that before. That's such a weird thing. Um, so yeah, definitely recording or practicing the way I want to record recording. And <laughs> I think there's just a lot of vocabulary that I am excited to use next time in the mixing process about, and especially working with Connor or someone as artful and thoughtful and sensitive. Don't underestimate the extent to which your descriptions of color and texture and feel will translate with someone. Um, mm. Because I think at first I was worried I didn't, because I didn't know exactly what was going on on a technical level, I wouldn't be able to speak my mind in a way that, or communicate properly what I was looking for. And I think it was actually the opposite. Like the more, it, it was good that I didn't know how much like reverb he was using, like of one type of reverb he was using because it, it's his it's like his job and his part of the process to figure out how much or little to use and my job to be like, I just want this vocal to feel closer or warmer yeah. or, or softer. Um, I learned to trust in myself and my ears and trust in the people around me and that no one part of the process is one person's job. Having people that you can work with where like the translation just is a part of the dynamic, right? That you can say... I want it to sound this way. And they're like, cool, got it. And now I know what, what to do mm-hmm. is such a gift. Like, that's so great. Yeah. That is very cool. It's it's really awesome to feel like I have now found a team that I'm that I feel really great about and that I want to keep yeah. on working on projects with. That's yeah. I know that's not everyone's experience. And so I'm really lucky to have that right now. I'm just beaming mm-hmm. over here. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> and that means you. <laughs> yeah, I just can't tell you how excited I am about your part specifically in this <laughs> in this project because honestly the standout for me still like my favorite track on the whole thing is Stay Job oh my God. right now, which is wow. a song that Kenyon just blows out of the water with like 102 different (laughs) vocal tracks. Um, And it's the one that I think our recording process was like the most unique to um, and probably the most organic, which was like, that was a really good lesson for me of like, oh, when you're just actually having fun. Yeah. Yeah. That comes through. Um, And those couple of days that we were working on that song were some of my absolute favorite. And um, and you can totally, like, we totally heard the difference in the studio when we were mixing these. And, and Connor, he li- we, the first day we listened through the whole thing and all just the rough stems together. And when we got to that song, Connor sort of, like, leaned back in his chair and he was like, how did you guys record this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, it does sound and feel different and it's awesome. Um, that is so wow. Awesome. So I can't wait for everyone to hear that one specifically. Super exciting. 
can't wait to talk to you again as we approach the release of this project. Um, yeah. And as you are looking forward to, to the next chapter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for being here and sharing Thank with so us much so generously. For, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for allowing me to think and, and babble about all this. <laughs> And that's all from our first two times talking with Daphne. But wait, there's more. Next week's episode will be our third interview with Daphne. We talk about releasing music into this crazy, crazy world. But until then, she did in fact release the music. So go listen to No Matter, um, stream it, buy it, beg, borrow, and steal, some might say. (laughs) 